today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, Benjamin. How are we all? Why don't you turn your Bibles to Ephesians 3? Starting from verse 14. My sister-in-law, Alyssa Mack, has flown into Noosa to come and live with us for a little while. And we don't know how long, depending on um, you know, how she gets established here or not. But uh, why don't we welcome her this morning? She's very cool. She's, she's like a mini Kristen. She looks like a mini Kristen to me. So it's like two Kristens in the house. One cooks and one cleans. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I think I cook and clean. And they, uh, they just enjoy me serving them. But welcome. I repent. Ephesians 3, 14 to 20. I just want to read this prayer, great prayer of the Apostle Paul. Uh, and this letter is to the Ephesian church, but it's also very relevant to us. And in 14, he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What an amazing prayer. What an amazing prayer. You know, I love to, uh, I love to eat at restaurants. And, you know, Noosa has a plethora of restaurants. And, uh, you know, I still haven't eaten at all of the restaurants in Noosa. And, uh, and that's my goal in life, is to eat at every restaurant in Noosa. It's just a simple goal. So... Uh, Here's the thing with restaurants. Restaurants, they're getting better, but here's the reality of restaurants. Restaurants use an unhealthy amount of salt in their food. They use some, between three and five times the amount of salt is used in restaurants than is used in the family home. Not all restaurants, but most restaurants use between three to five times more salt in their meals than we do at home. It's for the same reason marketers um, spam everybody. Anyone get the odd spam email these days? You know, the, the, the world of marketing is about finding new people to send their information to, to send their spam to. You know, it's why we, you know, we, we, we want everything to, to be more flavoured, don't we? We want, we, want, we want everything to be more and to be, and to be everywhere. And so we, we push it further and further. It's why we use exclamation marks on the end of our text messages because we want people to go, no, we really mean what we're saying. 
It's not enough that we said the words, but we need you to really understand it. So we put an exclamation mark at the end of it because the word doesn't give you our, the intention or the, the exaggeration that we want to put around it. It's why, we, it's why we use words like really. Hey, we go, no, you know, you need to come with me. And they, they go, they shrug this, you know, you really need to come with me. You know, we, we use these words of exaggeration. We use salt to, to, to draw out more flavor in the food. You know, why? Because it works for at least a while, doesn't it? When you add salt to something, it does taste more flavorsome. It does taste richer. It does taste, you know, it's a cheap way to persuade you that the food is better than it is. That the substance of the food is better than it is when we add salt to it. Problem is, over time, salt makes us ill. Too much salt makes us ill. A little bit of salt is great. In fact, we're called the salt of the earth, but too much salt makes us ill. But in the moment, it amplifies the flavour of whatever we're eating. Now, marketers under pressure push the limits in terms of spam where, you know... We, when, when we first, emails first, um, you know, we used, to, we used to put the sticker, no junk mail, on your mailbox. Remember those? Because you didn't want to get the spam. And now you've got spam filters on your, um, on your email accounts. And, 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 and we, we're, trying to, we're trying to think of ways that we can stop the spam. But really, it's just a normal part of life now. And we're used to it. In fact, we, we, it's just a normal thing to delete a heap of spam emails out of your thing. That's why we use colour. In our clothes, you know, we, that's why we put colour in our hair because we want to amplify our beauty. Anyone, there's a beautiful purple amplification of beauty on the front row. We do it because it's, it's, it's cheap thrills and shortcuts, isn't it? We want to add emphasis and, and God did it, didn't he? When he created the heavens and the earth, he made it beautiful. He added colour. He added flavour. He added all these amazing things that appeal to the senses. But in the midst of that, he created substance. It's interesting when you look at creation, in the first few days, he created all of the substance. And then he took the substance and made it beautiful and formed man and formed the, the, the plants and formed all these things. But the important thing is the substance needs to be there. I've said this about flavour before. When you're eating food, flavour is only relevant until it actually hits the back of your throat. And from that point on, it's no longer relevant. What's relevant is the substance after that point. We do it because it works. We do it because we've been desensitised. You know, you cook with salt long, long enough, nothing tastes salty after a while. You eat something without salt and you go, that is very bland. So the lazy shortcut becomes more than a habit, it actually becomes the norm. We see it in our church services. We add a bit of salt. We add a bit of salt, we put a bit of lighting there, we maybe get a bit of smoke, we, you know, we, we speak louder and softly, we add a little bit of salt, we add a little bit of energy to what we're doing because we want to amplify what we're saying. I want to say to you this morning that salt is a good thing. Enhancing flavour is a good thing, but you better make sure that there is substance behind what you're flavouring because you can flavour anything. You can flavour anything, but we need to make sure that what we are substantially partaking of is the Lord. So what's the solution to all, these, the, all, these, all this extra flavour that we see around the, around the world? The solution is... 
We need to play the long game. You see, to play the long game with food, you start thinking about what it's going to do after it gets to, to about here. You know what I mean? If you play the short game, you're worried about what it tastes when it hits your tongue. But what are you going to do when it gets to the back of your tongue? You need to play the long game and see how, what, what it's going to release into your body once you've swallowed it. We need to take the more difficult route. I climbed Kilimanjaro a couple of years ago and there's the short route and there's the long route. And, and if you take the short route up straight up the side of the mountain, you can get there quicker. But they say only, you know, only 60% of people who take the short route get to the top. Because when you hit the you hit the altitude a lot earlier, and your body can can either take it or it can't take it. If you take the long route, your body gets to adjust to the climate. It gets to it gets to become stronger and stronger. So when you get to the challenging situations, you can walk through them a lot easier than you can if you take the shortcut. We need to take the long cut. We need to surround ourselves with people who insist that you don't take shortcuts. See, we can take shortcuts in our faith. If we take shortcuts in our faith, God becomes the rescue God. If we take the long version of our faith, he becomes the, the equipping, encouraging, empowering God so that we can do great things in his name instead of rely on him for our survival. We need to get back to the principles so we can ha- learn how to cook again with substance. Back to the fundamentals. Fundamentals. We're talking about freedom. I've got a great picture of my, my freedom push bike there. And uh, it's a beautiful machine. But here's the thing. We need to get back to the basics of our lives with God and each other and learn how to live again. See, it's one thing to learn how to cook again, but it's another thing to learn how to live again. We need to d- rediscover the original flavor of Christ in our lives. We need to rediscover the goodness of God in our lives. We need to rediscover the freedom of the gospel. The book of James calls it the perfect law of liberty. See, once we were under the law of sin and death and now we're under the perfect law of liberty. It's an absolute law. And here's the thing. The world continually draws us away from God. It continually draws us away through our senses and it's a strong draw. So it's important that we continue to connect with God, with the God of the law of perfect liberty as much as we can so that we can walk in his strength and not ours. Because what happens? We take on the flavor of what we immerse ourselves in. Ask yourself, what do you immerse yourself in? What do you spend the most of your time doing? And then you will know what flavor that you're taking on. How much time do you spend in God's presence, in his word and in prayer? How much time do you spend in front of the, in front of the boob tube? How much time do you, do you spend in, in, you know, in things that are God-related or you-related? Because we take on the flavor of what we spend the most time with. So today we want to look at two questions. The first question is about what is the freedom that we have through Christ? And the second one is where do we access it? Now in the slides for today we have no salt, just substance. Usually I put a little picture in case you're bored with the message, you can enjoy the picture next to my slide. Today, no salt. Just the, just the substance of the message will appear through these slides. See, there's many freedoms. If you want to know the, some, some further discussion, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the liberties of man and the liberties of God. 
You know, there's many different freedoms that I say freedom with a small f. There's the freedom of speech. There's the freedom from persecution. There's many freedoms, and and we discussed a few of those in the weeks gone by. But the question really is, what is freedom with a capital F? You see, there's, there's freedoms that we experience. There's freedoms that we experience because we're Australians. There's freedoms we experience because of the laws that our land creates. There's freedoms that we experience because of the amount of money we've got in the bank. There's freedoms beca- that we experience because of our health. There's these freedoms with a small F, but the question is, what is a freedom with a big F? And here's the statement that I want you to own and remember today. The liberty of man is the absoluteness of God. The liberty of mankind is the absoluteness of God. You see, on earth, there's probably three main areas of freedom that in the Western world that we look for. There's our health, there's our wealth, and there's our relationship. We we feel free when we're healthy, when we've got money in the bank, And when our relationship is going well, that's when we feel the freest. And these are all great things. They're good things to have, but none of them can actually complete you. None of them can complete you. None of you could, they're they're, they're great things. They're, they're the, you know, we see them, we see the blessing of God in all those things, but none of them alone can complete you. They all have limitations and they all have vulnerabilities. Just ask anyone who retired in 2007 on their superannuation. 2008, it got chopped in half. Overnight, it got chopped in half. And their, their superannuation went from, from 100% to 50%. You know, it's come back again, but we don't know, do we? There's limitations in our wealth. There's vulnerabilities in our wealth. There's vulnerabilities in our health. I don't know if you heard about Pastor Danny Guglamucci's son, who's, who's ministering in South Australia, was struck by lightning and killed in the last few days. A healthy young man being a blessing in the kingdom of God. Gone. You know, we, we, these things are vulnerable. So we need to have something in our life that is an absolute that we're anchored to. We don't want to be anchored to our relationships. We want to be present in our relationships. We don't want to be anchored to our wealth. We want to participate in working hard so that we can provide for our families and be generous. But we don't want to, we don't want to be anchored to it. So our sense of freedom, if we're anchored to these things, is at the mercy of something that we're not in control of, something that has an ever-changing state. When I was climbing the mountain the other year, uh, we got to the top and we were 6,000 metres above sea level and it was minus 20-odd degrees with wind chill and and the cameras stopped working. The function of the cameras stopped working because, you know, it was... It was colder than they, were, than they had the ability to move and, and things started slowing down and different things. And there's, a, there's another number and the number is minus 273 degrees Celsius. It's called absolute zero. And at absolute zero, all atoms stop moving. Everything freezes at that level, even mercury freezes. We think because no one's ever got it that cold. But... There's, an, there's, there's not many absolutes on earth. Really, there's none. We say absolute zero, but no one's ever got there, so we'd actually, we actually can't create it and we can't prove it. So what we do need to do 
is we need to consider anchoring ourselves to a freedom in an absolute God. The Bible speaks a lot about the absoluteness of God, doesn't it? It says in Malachi 3.6, it says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Psalm 93 says, your statutes stand firm, O Lord. 111 Psalm says this, all his precepts are sure, they stand fast forever and ever. John 17, your word is truth. 1 Peter 1 says, the word of God lives and abides forever. Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. You see, when the absoluteness of God resides in our heart and influences our conduct, then we begin to come, become free. See, we need to get the absoluteness of him in our hearts. If, if our relationships, if our finances, if our health is, the, is on our heart, then we're not free unless we have those things. He's saying, if, if I am in your heart, I never change. The words that I speak are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you want to get anchored to those things. The liberty of man is the absoluteness of God. 2 Corinthians 3, how do I know this? 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says this, Now the Lord is spirit. The Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit is, there is liberty. And guess what? When you were created, you were created to carry the spirit of the living God. The Bible says you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You were designed specifically at creation to carry the Holy Spirit of God. And guess what? The Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit is, there is liberty. And I have a New Year's resolution for you this year. I've got some for me, but I've got one for you. And my, my New Year's resolution for you is that you would gain a fresh desire for the liberty of God. See, we, want to, we, we have resolutions and generally they revolve around wealth, they revolve around health, and they revolve around relationships. But I want, to, I want to put something on your resolution list this morning and that it's to stir up the desire for the liberty of Christ, the freedom of Christ. Because it's as we start to desire these things that they become real in our hearts. And when they're real in our hearts, we get to walk in that freedom. Because the absoluteness of God sets us free in every other area. I am the Lord. I change not. I change my mind not. I don't know about you, but I seem to change my mind all the time. Today I wake up, I don't want to eat carbs. Tomorrow I definitely need carbs. No sugar today and then sugar tomorrow. You know, I change my mind regularly. Today I'm going to wear these jeans. Tomorrow I hate those jeans. I'm going to dye my hair this color today. I'm going to cut it tomorrow. I'm going to cut it short tomorrow. You know, we, we change our mind regularly, don't we? And we get, we get into relationships with other people who change regularly. And I've got a lot of grace for when I change my mind. But I have zero grace when you change your mind. Because when you change your mind, I've made a decision based on anchoring against the decision that you made. And if you change your mind, it upsets my world. But the Lord changes not. So make sure you're anchoring your identity and you're anchoring your substance to an absolute, something that never changes. 
And let me tell you, nothing on this earth is absolute. Only the Lord is absolute. Okay, so we read the prayer from Ephesians 3. Verse 18 says this. Paul prayed this. He said that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, the dimensions of Christ. He wants us to comprehend the dimensions of Christ. And I want to suggest to you that the dimensions of Christ represent the reach of his love, the reach of his truth, the reach of his liberty. He wants you to understand the dimensions of him and, and, and actually how, how broad and how long and how deep and how wide it actually goes because when you understand, when you begin to comprehend the dimensions of his love and of his truth and of his mercy, you realise that you're free. The problem is, is when we limit the dimensions of God to getting us out of this problem, we misrepresent how big God is. Paul's praying that we would comprehend the scope of the greatness of the love of Christ, that we would comprehend the unsearchable richness of his love. Comp- can you, you know, it seems contradictory, doesn't it? Comprehending the unsearchable greatness of God. But when you comprehend that it is unsearchable, you realise how small and insignificant the challenge that you're facing right now is. Because the love of God is so big, it's actually unsearchable to get to the end of it. You cannot get to the other side of God's love. In Job 11, he speaks of the dimensions of of the deep things of God like this. He says, it is higher than the heaven, deeper than hell, longer than the earth, and broader than the sea. You know, the scope of God's greatness, the scope of his love is beyond our imagination. It's beyond anything you can imagine. It's beyond, it's beyond your colour. It's beyond your creed. It's beyond your wealth. It's beyond, you know, it's beyond your pain or your happiness. It's beyond your brokenness or your strength. It's beyond all those things. You know, we might imagine the breadth of, of, um, of God's love as that it's available to all ages, all nations, and every status of people on the planet. You know, it's, avail- it's not just available for a certain bunch of people. It's not just available for white Australians. It's not just available for, for um, you know, through the, through the missions in deep, dark Africa. It's not available just for the, the one true Catholic church. It's not available for this group of people, for that group of people. It's not just available for the 144,000 its breath is available to all ages, all colours, all creeds, every status on earth. What about the length? You know, we think we are caught in this thing called time and we serve this eternal God. The length of God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. His love is eternal. The length of his love knows no distance. There is nothing in your past that cannot be redeemed by his love. There's nothing that he cannot touch and and redeem and restore that you can walk in a liberty today. What about the depth of it? The depth of it. He stoops down to our lowest condition and picks us up. There is no low that he cannot reach to. In fact, it says he went down into Sheol. He went down into hell and he took captivity captive 
He even took captivity captive and set us free. That's the depth of his love. What about the heights? He says, now in me, you are seated in the heavenlies. You think of the heights of the earth. You think of Donald Trump trying to become president of the United States. You know what I mean? He thinks that's the height of height in humanity. But the reality is we are seated in the heavenlies and the president is this very small on earth. Very small. You are seated in the heavenlies. Some say all you have is your health. All you've got is your health. The way to life, the way to freedom is in your health. Some say money answers all things. In fact, it says that in Ecclesiastes. Money answers all things. So we've got to get financially free. Others say that we're complete only when we're in a good relationship. I need to get out of this relationship and get into another one so I I feel incomplete here. I need to go and find somewhere else so I can get complete. None of these things are constant. In fact, freedom is diminished any time that it is built on a foundation that is not absolute. The freedom that you experience in life is at the mercy of what it is built upon. And if your freedom, if your sense of freedom is built on your health, on your wealth or on your relationship status then you are at the mercy of those things. If if your sense of freedom is built on the foundation of the cornerstone of Christ, then you are at the mercy of a God that changes not, whose mercies are new and fresh every morning, whose love never fails, whose word never returns to him void, who's incapable of not following through. If you're built on that foundation, if you're established on that absolute truth, then you're plain sailing to liberty. The liberty of mankind is the absoluteness of God. Therefore, we need to get the absoluteness of God into our hearts and ruling our lives. So then we can be in relationships. Then we can gain wealth or be poor. Or then we can, then we can be healthy or unhealthy and still give glory to the king of all kings apostle paul says i'm content with much and i'm content with little i submit my 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 infirmity to god to be healed but if he doesn't heal it his grace is sufficient you see your sense of peace your sense of freedom if it is attached to an absolute god then nothing can rob you of that freedom you walk tall you walk free you walk according to an absolute god You see, Jesus always was, he is now, and always will be the way, the truth, and the life. So it's time to get anchored to him. So the goal now becomes to immerse ourselves in the dimensions of God. And the beginning of that is to start desiring to know them and to know him in a deeper way. What is the freedom? that we have in Christ, the liberty of man, freedom of mankind is the absoluteness of God. And just quickly, the second one, where do we access it? You know, when I read Ephesians 3.18, I actually left a line out of that intentionally because I I didn't want you to think about it until now. I'm going to bring it in now, okay, so it's good. It's okay. I wasn't skipping. Paul prayed this. He says that being rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend 
What is the width and length and depth and height? Let me now add a little bit in. Being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length and depth and height. With all the saints. See, he doesn't want you just to discover his absolutes on your own. He wants you to discover them with all the saints. He doesn't want you to comprehend it alone. He wants you to comprehend it together. And his spiritual maturity and liberty, these things develop not when we're on our own. They actually develop in community. We don't, want to, we don't ever want to aim to comprehend the greatness of God beyond each other. We want to create, we want to comprehend the greatness of God beyond the situations that we're in. I don't want to comprehend God, have a greater comprehension of God than you. I want to have a greater comprehension of God than the challenges that I'm walking through in life. I want us to share a comprehension of God so we can, we can share in the, in, the, in the goodness, we can share in the greatness and we can be that together to humanity. The comprehension of God should never make one person feel more inferior or superior than another person. The comprehension of God should make us all understand that it is by his grace that we, any of us are where we are. By his grace do I get to share with you this morning. By, by his grace do you get to do what you do. I know you're strong enough to do it on your own but are you strong enough to do it together? Are you strong enough to seek comprehension of the greatness of God with all the saints, with each other? If you want to feel free, the quickest way to do that is on your own. You'll feel free. If you want to be free, do it together. You see, it's, it's in our collective revelation that the world knows that we're his disciples. It's as we comprehend his love together that we know how to love each other well. And when we love each other well, the world knows that we're his disciples. And then we remain. Then we continue through the challenging times. Because who knows, when you love someone, it doesn't mean that you're always going to get the conversation right, does it? But when you have a love for one another, when you're anchored to the absoluteness of God, and when you, you, gain, you gain a comprehension of his greatness... You walk through that challenging time to the other side, which is where you discover a new measure of love for each other. Why doesn't the band jump up? The liberty of man is the absoluteness of God. It's time, church, for us to gain a desire for those, for those aspects of God's goodness that never change. It's time we get centred on God. You see, the more we're centred on the absolutes of God, the less flavour we feel like we need to add to how we celebrate, to how we worship, to how we speak. The less, the less exclamation marks we need at the end of, of something. We stop asking, when is a good salty church service coming so I can invite my friends to it? We say, God is, God is the perfect substance and the perfect flavour every day and every moment of every day. We just need to align our hearts with his absoluteness and not worry about the flavour, not worry about the salt. Because here's the thing, when we stop worrying about adding salt, we become the salt of the earth and we flavour humanity with his love instead of trying to flavour his love with humanity. 
It's time to shift our focus, church, from telling God what we want to discovering his greatness and perfection. I'll just leave you with one thought. You know, in Samuel, we read about Samuel and the first time he experiences God speaking to, to him. And, you know, the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel. And he, you know, eventually he cottons on that it's God speaking. He says, Lord, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, I think the challenge that we face in this generation is we're saying, listen, Lord, for your servant is speaking. We want to tell the Lord what he needs to do for us. And a time's coming now, if we want to be in the absoluteness of God, if we want to walk in his liberty, we need to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Lord, we want to listen again. Lord, we're all walking through life. We're walking through challenges financially, relationally, health-wise. Lord, we're walking through these challenges and we need your mercy, Father. We seek your mercy in these areas. We seek your healing power. We seek your peace in our conversation, Lord. We seek your, your, um, your, your wisdom in our financial positions. Lord, we seek those things. But this morning, Father, we take a moment to center ourselves on your absoluteness, Father. And we say, Lord, speak for your servants are listening. Give us the revelation of your greatness. Give us the revelation of your breadth and your width and your height and your depth, Lord. Give us the revelation of your love that goes beyond the bounds of our physical challenges, Lord, so that we can say like Paul that we are content in all things with little and with much. We ask for that revelation this morning. And I ask, Lord, that you pierce the hearts of your believers this morning with the revelation of your goodness and of your greatness, that they may know your love, that they may know your mercy, that they may know your grace, and that they may know your truth afresh. And when they walk out that door, they walk out free according to the absoluteness of your grace. We thank you for your perfect law of liberty that has overcome the world. And we anchor ourselves to it this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said together, Amen.